0: I mean, I played pretend for a living, and now everybody, it seems, is doing the same thing, just creating content and telling stories, which is fine, but we also need to make things. We also need to actually live in the real world. That was
1: Adrian Grenier. Adrian rose to fame as the lead actor in the hit TV show Entourage, where he played Vincent Chase. He starred alongside Meryl Streep and Anne Hathaway, in the blockbuster, The Devil Wears Prada, and in the recent Netflix show, Clickbait. I know Adrian as a compassionate VC and an advocate for positive change. I first met Adrian at a tech event in New York in 2014 and have observed his continued commitment to sustainable innovation. Today, Adrian is the co-founder and general partner at Ducontra Ventures, an impact fund that aims to create a high yield beyond money. In today's episode, Adrian talks about leaving Hollywood and Silicon Valley for a farm life in Texas, where he's focused on stewarding the land and leaving it better than he found it. He talks about his investment philosophy and why we need to take responsibility for our actions and lead a life full of purpose. This is Daniel Sachs, president and co-founder of AppDirect, and it's time to decode impact investing and supporting meaningful projects outside of Hollywood. Welcome to Decoding Digital, a podcast for innovators looking to thrive in the digital economy. I'm your host, Daniel Sachs, and I'll sit down with other founders, CEOs, and changemakers to decode the trends that are transforming the way we work. Let's decode. Adrian, welcome to Decoding Digital. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it. Excellent. So I want to set the stage. I first met you in person in 2014, and it was the founders' conference in New York City. And I was sitting with maybe 200 other people in the audience. It was mainly tech CEOs. And it was actually the CEO of Oculus, I think, announced the Facebook acquisition. And I'm looking around to the left, and I'm like, shit, that's Adrian Grenier beside me, like Vinny Chase. And it's like kind of hero, legend. And now from kind of doing some of the research that you've done on like teenage paparazzo, like I probably had this. Parasocial relationship where I'm like, here's this guy that I know. Can't believe he's sitting next to me. But I was inspired by your commitment to innovation and to learning and your humility of being in the room, listening to the different sessions. And then I've constantly seen you at tech events, most recently, I think in Brooklyn at the Founders Forum with Lee. And it's just great to see that consistent humility and commitment to technology. So I wanted to kind of start by just asking you what got you passionate beyond your acting career to kind of seek out things in the technology world?
0: Well, you know, I just have to say, I appreciate the props, but ultimately, I really mostly appreciate the consumer-facing aspect of technology. When it gets into the weeds, you kind of lose me. In fact, the other day, I went to a microchip conference, and it was way over my head. I thought I'd be all geeked out and excited about it, but... (laughs) Basically, it's just booth after booth after booth of like they're selling microchips (laughs) and sensors. And that was a little bit too much for me. It was a little too much. That would be too much for me too. too. Too geeky for me. But yeah, I mean, who doesn't love the idea that we can, through technology, extend our limitations beyond what is possible today and start to invent a world that is better than the one we currently are living in. I mean that's an exciting creative process. It like stokes the imagination. It also invites you to like learn new skills and to lean into the future and what's possible. So, yeah, I'm very much into it.
1: And what took you from kind of interested in it to launching a venture firm?
0: Well, I had been dabbling, I guess, in investments for many many years. One of the things I was looking to solve for is how do you bridge the gap between San Francisco or Silicon Valley and Hollywood? And I was going up there a lot, San Francisco, that is, and Silicon Valley from LA and just meeting a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of tech dudes, and the whole community up there and just, you know, geeking out on all this stuff. Really enjoyed it. And I got a incredible opportunities to come in on some of these businesses so yeah of course I was into it but it was really more an informal opportunity that would come my way fall in my lap and then it wasn't until I met Bob Nuzzi that I decided that I wanted to formalize my investments and start a fund so that we could not only field opportunities but then go out and solicit for some good ones as well.
1: And do you want to share the theme of DeContra and some of your investment thesis?
0: So DeContra is an impact fund and we have four verticals, one being human flourishing, do consumer, future of finance, and communitas. So the theory is the concept is that if we can empower human beings, individuals, so that's the human flourishing part, and give them the tools and the ability, the health, of wellness, so that they can make the best possible decisions and then bring them together with other humans, communitas, in collaboration and empower them with the tools of finance so that they can go out and build the world, they're going to make not only better choices, better businesses, better consumer products for us as consumers, but also for the world in the future. So really it's an agnostic approach, a hands-off approach to impact, in that we're not making this single bet on a certain idea. Like we're not a climate change fund or, you know, an oceans fund. We're really empowering human beings and human potential as a tool of impact. It's a powerful
1: thesis and really inspirational. I think the theme that I'm getting already in your approach is around people and like interest and taking interest in other people and seeing their potential. How do you find the deal flow and between you and Ba, how do you split your efforts?
0: Well, between Ba and I, she's the brains of the operation. I'm more the romantic, I guess, and the visionary. I always looking to Ba, you know, with bated breath, I'm like on the edge of my feet, being like, is she going to like this particular business that I bring to her? Because even though I love it, even though I'm excited about a particular business or a founder doesn't mean that it checks out in the numbers. So, you know, it's a good team in that she's really grounded and down to earth and, you know, does all the analytics and the numbers and make sure that we're actually going to make money, which of course I appreciate. But yeah, I think it's really even split. You know, we both come to each other with different opportunities and ideas and it's been a great relationship. It's powerful. You alluded to
1: this earlier, but the vision for connecting Silicon Valley with Hollywood. And I lived in the Bay Area for 10 years and moved down to LA recently. And I've seen this kind of magic synergy of tech and creative fields colliding. And it's so impactful. It's interesting that, like, there's been this kind of celebrity that's been made out of Silicon Valley that didn't exist before. And now that people kind of across the world see the opportunity, they get more excited. And it sounds like, More people want to be a part of what is tech startups. But at the same time, celebrities, it's a great way to monetize and invest and build a portfolio and be a part of it.
0: Do you kind of like see that happening? Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Now that CEOs and entrepreneurs are celebrities and investors are celebrities, do we even really need Hollywood anymore? I mean, (laughs) that's the question. No, I'm teasing. Yeah, I don't know. I think certainly we're in a content craze, and technology just made it more accessible. And in many ways, to a negative degree, being forced upon us with all the algorithms, to, you know, getting inside of our heads. So I think now is an opportunity to try and solve for that. How do we give people more rich, meaningful experiences? How do we serve up content that, like, actually empower people? And give them the tools to not just like sit at home and watch Netflix, you know, not just consume more Hollywood content. That's what I'm looking at right now. I think it's interesting, but like to your joke about the end of Hollywood,
1: I think similarly about Silicon Valley. I think that Silicon Valley is a construct, was something that was created. And as I'd travel the world or as I'd host CEOs in San Francisco, there'd be this perception of what it is that was really kind of rooted in a place, a physical place. But in the last few years, we've proven that anyone around the world can be an entrepreneur, can start a company, and can scale it effectively. And I think that's very liberating. And it enables the accessibility and education enablement for anyone to do this. And I think your kind of joke about Hollywood is very similar, where you're also finding creators from around the world being able to use platforms to build their own brands. But to your point kind of around doing it for good or for challenge, A topic on the podcast a lot is the mental health impacts of technology and what are some of the ethical sides of the products that we're creating. Do you have any current thoughts on how we
0: can address that problem as a society? Mm. Yeah, I think certainly the conclusion that we came to in the film is you got to turn it off. I mean, at a certain point, you're an adult. The adults in the room have to learn to temper their consumption. And if you're a parent of young kids, you have to put some boundaries, some guardrails and recognize and empower yourself to understand how these algorithms are capturing your attention, how they're feeding you content, how they're guiding you towards dopamine. And that's really, first and foremost, the first line of defense is, can you choose to turn it off? And I would suggest turn it off and get into nature. You know, nature I think it sequesters a lot of the negative effects of media. So digital content is so directed at you, it's sort of narcissistic in that it's always addressing you. And nature don't give a can we curse here doesn't give a fuck. It's just there, it's just present, it's beyond you, it's bigger than you. So I say go out and be part of something bigger, grander than you so that you have a sense of awe, that you're humbled. So you're brought down to earth, so to speak. And I would say check out my show Earth Speed, which is exactly what we're looking to do is bring people closer to nature and to live at the pace of nature, live a different, like a nature-based lifestyle.
1: Yeah, it's powerful. Like as I've been doing research on neuroscience and mental health, it's just like going back to nature and really checking in with your senses and taking the time to observe is so important and having that self-reflective time but people don't seem to do it to your point there's just kind of endless content and it's an easy trap and your mind kind of hits the dopamine but you did pull the ripcord and you're in austin and you have your farm so how hard was it and do you have any regrets do you have any kind of times you're like well i want to move back or yeah
0: you know, it's still hard there's a lot of pressure to be creating more content Especially from a guy who was sort of at the top of his game in Hollywood, celebrities, well-known. And by the way, you can trade attention and fame for money. I mean, that's really what the business is. You're not acting. I mean, let's just get that straight. You're not acting. You're selling tickets. You're selling eyeballs. And some celebrities, some actors, I should say, have more influence, more power because they get people in the seats. doesn't matter how good of an actor they are. You've seen some bad actors who are still getting roles, right? So, you know, there's a lot of pressure. And this is the celebrity game. It's like the insecurity that you have when you start to lose that influence. You know, you start to wonder whether or not you're relevant anymore. And I think that's very natural because as humans, we crave a sense of, inclusion and place. Attention is what we feel gives us a sense of community. And when you start to lose that attention, you start to wonder whether or not you're relevant, whether you're important, whether or not you're contributing meaningfully to society. And I feel that, like I'm out here and sometimes I feel isolated and I'm like, maybe I should be creating more content. But, you know, I have to keep reminding myself that my purpose now is not to just indulge my ego or my narcissism, but really to serve and to give of myself to my family, to steward this land here, to make the most of it, and to learn. I'm in a learning state of life.
1: And congratulations on your wedding. How has that changed you?
0: Man, well, I had to first change in order to get to a place where I could get married. I was the anti-marriage guy. You know, I didn't understand why anybody would get married, Have Kids in this, the way the environment is being destroyed, why would anybody have kids? And I really had to completely change 180 degrees in order to open myself to the fact that, first of all, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And the world is still amazing. And children are a gift. And that if I can just get over myself and my ability to go to parties and hit on chicks that I might actually be able to live for something worthwhile. And marriage has just been such a joy. I'm just so happy that I've made it out of that pit. You know, that really, I think, soulless pit of selfish indulgence. But does it have to be that? I mean, like I go back to... Are you married? I am married. I have two kids. You know, come on, you know. I
1: love it. It's magical. But I'm going back to like my... College self watching Entourage, seeing Vinny Chase, being like, "This is the shit, Mm -hmm. living the dream." Oh yeah. So you're saying that it's a pit, but I think going back to like the concept of parasocial relationships, like there are a lot of people who are watching you or watching your character and kind of think that that's the shit, and maybe it takes like the very rare experience of like living through it, realizing the dark side, and then being one of the few to pull the ripcord to live for higher purpose or higher meaning. But I think that the average person listening to the comment there won't even understand. Like, it takes a lot to unpack why you said it was a pit. Like, can you break that down?
0: Yeah, I am not trying to change anybody's mind, nor do I think anybody would listen to me. People, you know, have to go through their own hero's journey, so to speak. They have to discover how they want to be and how they want to live. Thank goodness we're in a free country with free thinking, free choice. But just from my personal take on it, and it's all connected to media, storytelling, plain pretend. I mean, I played pretend for a living. And now everybody, it seems, is doing the same thing, just creating content and telling stories, which is fine. But we also need to make things. We also need to actually live in the real world. And if we don't have men and women who are committed to a higher order of being, it's not just wanton indulgence and immature selfishness, then I think there are going to be people out there in the world that are going to take advantage of that. So I say like, yeah, I've become much more conservative in my older years. And I do, I think people have to make their own decisions and they can make those mistakes. But I just found that I was on a path that was going to be really hard To come out of in the long run, especially when I get older, it's a very lonely, lonely path. If you're just out for superficial, flippant exchanges with people, you know, there's no depth, there's no family, there's no long term connection.
1: Like it takes courage and vulnerability to be able to have that and definitely like a sense of self reflection. So I really admire that. I got in a rut maybe a year ago thinking a very similar narrative, which is like, the inevitability that we've already gone past time to sustain our planet and our species and our mental health. But then I also see like what you're doing or the entrepreneurs you're working around or the progress we are making in so many ways. And I think that there's just such strong optimism that we can work our way out of some of these challenges. But I think that your point is really valid around how do we inspire the individual to take that action versus depending on government or others. How do we put all these collective minds that are now together? Like you said, like a CEO is a creator, is a producer, vice versa. We have people all over the world that are now sharing, collaborating. But how do you inspire those individuals to do the right things?
0: Well, the quote that I've been throwing around as of late, because it just is so fitting for me is, when I was young and clever, I tried to change the world. Now I'm wise and I'm trying to change myself. I do think that I'm with you. I'm an optimist. I think we're in a renaissance. I think we have a lot of incredible opportunity. And I think it's going to start with the transformation of the individual. We all need to start taking a little bit more responsibility for our own lives and recognizing that we do have a lot of potential, a lot of power, a lot of capacity to do incredible things. In other words, I think that all is not lost. We just got to like start reinvesting in the individual and let people make the decisions they need to make, which is why I do contrary like human flourishing. How do you invest in people, mental health, well-being, so that people can have the capacity to make the best businesses of the future?
1: And that's impact. And I think that's living by your values. And you've used the word value a few times here. And I think What I found is having values in my business and like our vision to make technology universally accessible, really to enable equal opportunity and equal access to technology so people can thrive around the world. Like that's driven me and that's been kind of part of my purpose. And it's been that way for over a decade. What I found though is like values in my personal life is really important too. So I vowed to my wife when we got married to be positive, present, and grateful. And fast forward a few years and two kids. I'm living every day with like amazing respect, joy, and admiration. And we're so in love, but those values mean something. So, like, I said presence, and you realize to your point, like, if you're on Instagram just consuming content or you're binging Netflix, how is that being present in front of your kid? So, what I did recently was I did the full delete on Instagram, like severed it, even though, you know, I had friends, contacts, et cetera. Probably like one of the harder things to do. And now I just see like the pure, interaction with my kids because i don't have a phone in front of me Mm. and even though we're working in a remote world i lock my phone and my computer away when i'm with my kids i don't want them to see me with it so i think there's that level of like self-control and values alignment but i think people need to make that choice and that's what you said which is for you pulling the ripcord going to austin enabled you to see things from a more meaningful way and maybe there's less temptation and maybe like for me it was deleting instagram but for someone else it might be something different
0: Well, I don't know how it came off, but I don't intend to wag my finger and tell people how to be. I'm not holier than thou. This is my humble opinion. This is just from my experience and people have to make their own choices. You know, I've been doing environmental work for a long time and I see this arrogance creep into environmentalism where people in that space, they think they have the answers and they want to tell you what they are and how you need to be. To try and control you and your behaviors and the way you consume or if you recycle. And I just think that's really short sighted and wrong headed. So I hope I don't come off arrogant or holier than thou, just from my humble opinion. That's been my journey. Not at all.
1: I actually think you exude humility in this conversation because you're kind of sharing your perspective and experience on an individual level. And I think that the more. People can do that, like share humbly, be non judgmental of others, but enable people to come to their own decisions. That really empowers that individualism that collectively could have a really strong outcome. So I feel like, yeah, definitely what you're standing for and what you're meaning for and the way you're presenting yourself and your position is very humble and inspiring, frankly. Thank you. I still think it's kind of personally. <laughs> I like to party and I think I like to have fun. So I- Yeah,
0: I don't like to <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to let it go. It's fine. Look, I enjoy the partying too and I enjoy all the things. It's just a lot of people don't recognize that entourage is a fantasy, right? That's fine. Fantasies are good. But eventually you got to turn it off and come down to earth and be in the real world. And I think that's a
1: statement on so much in life. I always had this kind of concept. Like I have different goals in life, but one of them was meet my heroes. And every time I met someone in person, like met most of the Canadian prime ministers, I'm Canadian and met a lot of actors and CEOs that I admire. There's like a humbling of doing it because A, you're inspired by them at the same time. They're all real people. They have real problems. They have challenges. And I think the problem with someone who's consuming so much content of a celebrity, whether it's an influencer or someone else, is that you don't realize that it's fantasy. You think it's reality. And I feel like the Gen Zs right now that are consuming content on TikTok and Instagram, it's not like it was a HBO produced show. It's these people's real lives, but it's actually not. And they think it is. So I think that's the hard challenge.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is, it's tough as well because a lot of times, people aren't even making their own content there's not even a creative ideation coming from the person. It's just the tool or the overlay or whatever the app will give you. It'll just basically make it for you. So you're just creating more zeros and ones on a screen, but you're not actually creatively putting yourself into it. So it's a monocropping of content. You know, it's, it's the same, 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 same. Yeah. I think it's, not that vital it's not that interesting i think we could do better on the content front even the netflix of it all i mean personally and maybe it's just because i'm getting a hold and i'm much more conservative as i said but i see the race to the bottom of the brainstem where every piece of content has to be more and more dark and jolting and violent and aggressive I mean, I grew up at the film school. I dropped out, but like I really loved films. I loved slow pace movies. I loved foreign films that you have to actually engage with and participate. And it took a certain amount of effort for you to be a part of that experience. This stuff is effortless and you're just always on edge and your nervous system is doped up. And I just don't know if it's that interesting. I think it's just more and more violence and dark. And it just seems dark to
1: me. I do agree with you on that. And like deleting Instagram, one of the other things I did to go check myself is also delete Netflix because I felt that like the content on it was just so much more addictive and dark than others. Probably the last show I watched on it was Clickbait, which was also pretty dark, but...
0: (laughs) But at least it was a commentary on all that, you know? Yeah.
1: So it's a plug for your show.
0: Go check it out on Netflix. But I think
1: people today are talking a lot about the mental health impacts of Facebook. But I feel like Netflix is pretty similar, or obviously, like a lot of the mainstream media is pretty similar too. So, it's really hard to tune all of it out unless you have the kind of self awareness and the kind of confidence and perspective to say, like, look, I'm going to choose to really live in the present or I'm going to live in a different way.
0: It's a hall of mirrors that we are trapped in, you know, reflections of ourselves. It's going to be a challenge because. We really need people to get out into nature and be connected to this earth because if you can't connect, you can't care. And I feel like people are getting numb. They're getting violent. They're feeling unseen. They're feeling like they have nothing of value to give to the world. And I'm so glad that you turned off your Netflix and deleted it so that you could be there for your kids because your kids are not going to have that experience. They're going to feel relevant and seen by you and that's so important so parents got to step it up and you know it's hard to tell kids not to do what all their friends are doing too but you have to put your foot down i think and create boundaries for children for sure and they're seeing so much stuff so young it's like man wild so what's
1: your perfect day like today what do you love
0: Well, I wake up early. I take the dogs for a walk. We have a beautiful piece of land and it's been cooling down a bit so we don't have to worry about snakes. (laughs) So that's nice. You just walk the land and then have a little cup of coffee. And then I get out and I start working on one of the projects that we have here. We're building a six family community and a tea house and we're growing food and we have a little vineyard that we're starting. And a number of projects so i have my work cut out for me and i'm really happy to be here and then of course we're creating content we're doing earth speed content but you know we have really approached creating content from the perspective of nature like do we have to scale and be the biggest channel do we have to keep creating content and it all be conflict driven content can we really be at the pace of nature and be present on the land and continue to do the work and not make it all about the show but also actually be authentic in it because we could easily stage everything and just pretend like we're doing all this stuff but I made a commitment that I wasn't just going to pretend to be the guy and act it but I was going to actually be it so that provides some challenges because sometimes I'll be like totally engaged in a project and I'll forget to film it (laughs) You know, you're just like, I didn't get it. I didn't get the shot because I'm just too busy doing it. And that's okay.
1: That's really kind of inspiring just to know that you've kind of set the pace of what you want and you know what you love and you're experiencing that. And then when it comes to your outlook on LA, Hollywood, you still a fan
0: and kind of coming back here? Well, you know, not only did I sort of move away from acting for money, because that's really what it is. like I decided I wasn't just going to take jobs to make money, but I was going to take jobs that really excited me or sort of reflected my values, I should say. But then, you know, being in L.A. recently, it seems very constrained and I feel very unhinged. Just since the pandemic, it just doesn't have the same luster that it once did. I used to find it to be very enjoyable. and you know, I had my lot of friends there. But now it just seems very different. So I just haven't been back much.
1: You've used the concept of freedom a couple times. And every year I come up with a word to kind of give a theme for what I want. But this year, my word was freedom. Because I literally didn't feel that at all. Like I didn't feel it in California last year. I also didn't feel Canada was that way. But I think
0: you must feel that freedom in Texas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. And I need that. I need the freedom to be able to take responsibility for my life. If everybody's telling me how to be and micromanaging me and coddling me, then who's responsible? My life doesn't unfold the way I want it to, then I have no one to blame except other people.
1: Yeah, it kind of puts a trigger to the fact that we're living in this global world and kind of putting your own control on your agenda, on what you commit to, on who you're engaging with. There's like a power to that. And one of the things that I think to conclude is just, I get the sense that you have taken control of your life and you've committed to what you want and you're living by those values. And I think that if more people can do that on an individual level and whether their outlet is creating content or businesses, or whether it's just living their day-to-day lives, enjoying nature and family, that would make the world a much better place.
0: A hundred percent. I think with all of the uncertainty and the unrest, you know, now more than ever, personal responsibility, leaning in to build the capacity to take care of yourself and then be able to extend that care to your family and others to steward the earth, learn how to grow your own food. Look, right now, like you're seeing the economic crisis and the global food crisis and it all stems from a lot of times these centralized systems that are showing that they're not able to actually withstand some of the challenges that we have. So the answer is localize personal responsibility and try and actually do something for yourself and your neighbors and not always look to government or the world to bail you out of it.
1: I agree with that. Well, on that point, Adrian, thank you so much for joining This was really impactful and inspirational, and I look forward to chatting again soon.
0: Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to Decoding Digital. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. To learn more, visit decodingdigital.com. Until next time.